Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you um, for your word. Thank you that by it and through it, in it, you speak to us. We ask that you, you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears, the ways in which you're speaking to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, well, let me just begin. I did want to say thank you to Steve, who just walked out for a second. I forgot to say hello at the beginning. It's just a joy to have you here this morning. We're going to hear from Steve later on today, but it's nice to have you here. Don't go too quickly. Um, well, friends, our, our, um, our theme, as you heard already, is hope. And at first glance, um, our readings don't seem like they are the most hopeful of readings. Um, Daniel already alluded to it. Even, even today, the things that we deal with around us don't always point to hope. In the readings, it spoke of, of wars and battles, houses being plundered and women being assaulted, of people being forced to, to leave their homes, um, of the distress of nations, of the roaring of the seas, of fear and foreboding. Um, these are not things that we would automatically associate with hopefulness, necessarily. But I do think, as I've been reflecting on these passages, I do think that they, they speak to hope at a really deep way for those who are children of God. And the first way is in the very fact that they're spoken of at all. The fact that God sees the pain and the violence and the brutality. The very fact that God sees the greed that drives us to steal from our neighbors and, and seek our own good above the good of others. The fact that God sees the horrible pain that some women have to endure. Um, he sees refugees being forced to flee their homes. He sees the pride and the arrogance of nations that leads to economic crisis or humanitarian crises or environmental degradation. God sees the, the fear and the anxiety that all of us deal with. God sees all this, and there's hope in that because it means that God is not aloof or unaware or that he doesn't care about the situations that we find ourselves. God sees these things. He cares about these things. As we'll see in these passages, God acts on our behalf. But I do think that first it's important to recognize that the very fact that God sees these things and speaks of them at all in his word speaks to his character and nature, which is the root of our hope. It's first important to recognize that God sees these things, takes notice of them, and it suggests to us and tells us that he cares about us, that we matter to him, that he is interested in our lives. That he doesn't want us to have to endure pain and hardship. These things grieve his heart. They're always in a negative light. And that because of that, we, that's where our hope actually starts. It's the ground of our hope. We have hope not because these things occur, but because God sees them and is grieved by them, which means that he loves us, which means that he cares for us, which means that we matter to him. And I think sometimes when we look at all these things, when we experience these things for ourselves, we can feel the weight of that. We feel like God doesn't care. We feel like we might not matter. We feel like the things that are going on, that God is aloof, doesn't seem to be interested in all these things. But the very fact that they're spoken of in his word, and that ultimately he will, he will act, the fact that he sees them does tell us that we matter to God. The root of our hope is that God actually cares for each and every one of us. Secondly, we hope because God sits in judgment over evil and wickedness. Not only does he see the pain that we go through, but God judges the wickedness and the evil. 
that are at the root of that. Psalm 50 says this, The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. So he's ultimately in control. He's sovereign. He's the creator of all things. I love this line, that God calls forth the sun every day. Every day occurs simply because God calls it forth. G.K. Chesterton had a wonderful line when he was talking about sort of the, um, the playfulness of God. That it's not simply that the earth automatically, God's not that, that clockmaker that just sets the, the earth in motion as the end of it, but he enjoys the sun rising every day. He enjoys the moon coming forth every day. And he says, do it again. Do it again. It's God who summons forth uh, the sun every single day. This is the God who cares for you. And Psalm 50 goes on and says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones, he says, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness. God himself is judge. God comes to judge wickedness and righteousness or wickedness and evil in righteousness. He is the righteous judge. I don't know if anybody else has been watching it, but Kim and I have been watching the show Dope Sick on um, Disney+. Plus. If, any, if nobody here has been watching it, I do recommend it. Um, it's the story of the Sackler family in Purdue Pharma and how they both uh, manufactured and sold um, OxyContin, but not just how they manufactured and sold it, but actually created the conditions to cause it willfully and knowingly, just because of greed and arrogance and pride. It's painful to watch, but it's worth the watch. And one of the things that has struck us in watching it is just the way in which um, the systems are set up that, you know, they, they use the systems of the world. They use loopholes in the legal system to evade justice. And it reminded me of sort of the Im imperfectness of the justice system. Of course, it's good. <laughs> I don't want to suggest that it's not good, but it's imperfect. It's, it's enacted and it has been created by men, by mankind. Uh, therefore, it's imperfect, just like you and I. But as I'm watching that, I'm just, I'm so grateful that with God as judge, there's no evading justice. There are no loopholes with God and his kingdom that he will one day judge in righteousness. It, cannot be run away from. You cannot hide from that. And that's why God's judgment is both beautiful and terrifying. Did you catch those words in Psalm 50? Verse 2 says, he comes in the perfection of beauty. And then in the verse immediately following, he also comes as a devouring fire and a mighty tempest. We actually have to hold those two things in tension. We have to see and feel both of those things. That for those who persist in doing evil and thinking that they can evade justice, God comes as a mighty tempest and a devouring fire. It destroys evil and wickedness that wreak havoc on the earth. You cannot run from it. You cannot hide from it. To those who have been hurt, to the victims, to the marginalized, to the lowly, those who have been used and cast aside, used as pawns in the, in the games of this world. God's judgment comes in the perfection of beauty. 
it's a beautiful thing, beautiful and terrifying thing. We're in the season of Advent, so we'll hear from the Magnificat um, in a couple weeks. And in Mary's words, God, he, he humbles the pride, he brings them down, and he lifts up the lowly. That's the perfection of God's beauty. So we have hope uh, no matter what happens in this world, no matter how much it might look like to us that evil is evading justice and wickedness is winning, because ultimately God does sit in judgment over all those things. Evil cannot evade justice in the long run. Third, we have hope because God acts, as I mentioned before, that his judgments will be meted out on the earth on the day of judgment. Zechariah 14.3 says the Lord will go out and fight or when he fights on the day of battle. It speaks of his action. And the comfort there is that God not only sees the pain and the brokenness that we experience, not only sits in judgment over it, but he goes out and he fights on our behalf. He will destroy evil and wickedness at its root. It provides us both with confidence and comfort. I think confidence that one day all things will be set right. As Jeannie reminded us uh, from Revelation a couple weeks ago, that God is already in the process of making all things new. That's why Advent is a beautiful time where we both look backwards and we look forwards. We look backwards and we know that God is already, since the incarnation, is already setting all things new, making all things new. He's setting the world to right. He's in that process of doing so, and that will come to fruition on the last day. It gives us both confidence and security also because it knows we know that we don't have to fight on our own behalf. We don't have to go out and win by the world's weapons against injustice. We can trust that God goes out and fights on our behalf. He fights for us. We can trust in him. He invites us to partner with him. We still have a role. He invites us to partner with him in whatever ways we can participate in enacting righteousness and justice on this earth by the power of spirit that he's given us it's not our battle to fight as we hold it loosely so our hope is in the one who fights for us and is already in the process of making all things new and then finally we have a hope in the grace and mercy of god when we think about the beauty and the terror of judgment this is not just about other people this is about us as well and he right i think it was said the, the line between good and evil doesn't run between us and them on one side or the other. It runs down the middle of every human heart. So we have to hear these both beautiful and terrifying words. That's why Psalm 50 verses 4 and 5 say, God comes to judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.17, judgment begins with the household of God. This is not just about other people. This is about us as well. So we're not excluded from judgment, hence we seek to live lives of righteousness and justice by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a calling, we have a responsibility. God has called us not just to sit comfortably, but to partner with him in the good works that he's doing in the world. But our hope is not in our own ability to live in perfect righteousness. Our hope lies in the grace and mercy of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus says, this was Luke 21, I think it's verse 28, straighten up and raise your heads. 
A beautiful command that he gives us. Straighten up, raise your heads. Because when these things begin to take place, your redemption is drawing near, he says. That for us, we can experience God's judgment as our redemption. Jesus says that when the last days come, when he returns in judgment, we can stand with our heads high and walk in the confidence of God, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. That it's his redemption that he's enacted for us. That's what's drawn near. That's what we can stand up straight for and raise our heads for on the day of judgment. Thanks be to God for his mercy and grace. So our hope is fourfold. This isn't a proper three-point three sermon. This is a fourfold hope that we have in Christ. We hope because God is not aloof, that he actually sees the pain that we go through and he cares for each and every single one of us. He knows you each by name. He not only sees the pain, but he judges it. He stands in condemnation over it. He will act. He goes forth in battle, destroying evil and wickedness that will ultimately take shape. It cannot last forever. It will not stand in God's eternal kingdom. And we have a hope because of God's gracious and merciful um, posture towards us. And that enables us to stand up straight, to raise our heads on the day of judgment because of God's mercy and grace to us, because he loves us so much. So hope is not this uh, nice sentimental feeling, and I so appreciate what Daniel was sharing this morning, because I think he was trying to help us see that it's not just about finding some nice sentimental words that we can hold on to. It's more robust than that. These passages remind us that Christian hope comes through facing the sin and the brokenness of the world by it being exposed to the light of Christ when God sees it as an exposition of evil and brokenness, being exposed from God judging it, fighting against it, and then ultimately bringing his grace. And this is not only something I think is for the world at large, for us to think sort of on that um, sort of macro level. This is a micro level as well. This is for us to be thinking about on a personal level as well. Not only does God deal with sin and brokenness in the world at large, but it applies to us as well personally. But as long as our own sin and brokenness remains hidden in the darkness, we will continue to be in slavery and bondage. But if we allow it to be exposed to the light of Christ, if we allow him to see it, well, then he can judge it. He can work against it. He can battle those things, even our own disordered desires in our own hearts and life. And we can be healed through the grace and mercy of God. So I would encourage you this Advent season. Advent is traditionally a, a slightly penitential season. It's not just about hope. It's also about penitence and preparation for the day of judgment. So I would encourage you this Advent season to be courageous enough to face your own sin and brokenness. I will be doing the same thing. This is not just for others. This is for me as well. Face our own sin and brokenness for it to be exposed to the light of Christ that we may experience his healing and his transformation which comes by his grace and his mercy. Jesus said this in Luke 21, 28. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In verse 31, he says, so also when you see these things taking place, know that the kingdom of God is coming near. I just want to attest that in my own life, when I have been courageous enough um, to expose my own brokenness to the light of God, it's never been something where shame was heaped upon me. It has only brought about healing 
and redemption, that his kingdom truly has come here, that his redemption truly has come here because of his grace and mercy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.